So hello everybody, welcome to the podcast, the Suta, Suta Weekly, and here I am, your host, Sankova Chakma. In this episode, I will talk about the Majimi Nikaya 22, also known as the Water Snake Simile Alagadupama Sutta. So this is a very important sutta, and here the Buddha really... <coughs> tells us about the dangers of not understanding the dharma in the appropriate, in the right way. So there are quite a lot of important points to take from this sutta. And as I was reading this on on, on, on Bhikkhu Tanisaro's website, dhammatalks.org, so he, he has actually provided a very, a very elaborate commentary to this sutta, the things that we should take from it. So, so yeah, <clears throat> so yeah, I suppose, as I always do, I'm just going to, you know, go through this sutta. As I, as I am recording this episode, I actually have the sutta open on my phone, and I am doing this, you know, I, I had initially thought that I'd just kind of speak right from memory and whatever I understand but I might actually miss out on something if I do that because my memory isn't that great and reliable all the time so I'm just going to go through the sutta once again with all of you so so um, there, there is I think a fair bit of um, controversy or or kind of debate about certain things in in the teachings of the Buddha. So the Buddha does say, you know, to, he he's, he tells us that unbinding or nirvana is is something where you don't really bind to any views, to to, to any sense of self and all that. But I think in some Mahayana texts, like the Diamond Sutta, so they they say that you have to let go of views in order to reach that unbinding state. But I think Bhikkhu Tanisaro makes a different point. And what he says is that <coughs> the, the the Mahayana Diamond Sutta is 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 a bit um, misled and they didn't understand the point that the Buddha wanted to make. So the simile which which is pretty much you know commonly used and even mentioned here in this sutta is the simile of the raft. So imagine like there is like 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 there's a you know there's there's a great flood happening like suppose there are Suppose you are on one side of the shore and that shore is not looking good, it's just about to sink or, you know, it's dangerous. So you, you want to cross to the other side, which looks much better and it's really safer. So the way, and, and there are no kind of boats or ferries to take you there and you try and you somehow manage to make a raft with whatever sticks you can find and then using that raft you go to the other side of the shore, the safer side. So, 
you know, while we are still swimming with the raft across the river, we don't let go of the raft. We still hold on to it. We only let it go after reaching the other side of the shore when, when it would be really too heavy for us to carry the raft over our shoulders. So that's, and, and, and so this simile is actually very meaningful because the, the, the flood waters are the, are referred to the four floods, the floods of sensuality, delusion, ignorance, and I guess aversion, and the, and the dangers that we want to escape from, from the dangerous shore, are the identification of self. So, now I'm not really sure what that means, but I guess identifying, you know, falling to wrong views. So, and, and the raft that the Buddha uh, mentions here, or paints here, is that of the Noble Eightfold Path. So we have to be very sure, you know, we, do, we don't want to let go of the raft while we are still crossing the river. Only when we have, we have reached the other side, that is when we have gained liberation, unbinding, that's when we drop it. And, we, and so we drop all of that. So um, the background of this sutta is that there was a monk, his name was Arita, and he was formerly, I think, a vulture killer, because they call him Arita, formerly of the vulture killer killers in this sutta. So, so Arita was a monk, and then I guess he was a bit of a novice, just, um, just incorporated into the Sangha. But, um, so he, he was just kind of thinking, I guess, and then he had a very, very, he had a very um, unskillful view arise in his mind. So he was probably thinking, you know, there, there are people, lay people, who, who enjoy the sensual pleasures, and yet they, they are set to gain stream entry, they, they are set to perform meritorious deeds, so what's wrong with the monks, you know, um, also enjoying sensual pleasures and, and any things that monks already enjoy a bit on the sensual pleasures because they do eat food and the food is sometimes tasty, what they get from the as arms from others and sometimes they wear good robes, very comfortable robes, they see pleasurable forms. So, so if they, if monks already do all of that, then what's wrong with say, what's essentially different about say, sexual intercourse? You know, that's also pretty much the same, right? You know, um, all those sensualities. So this is a very dangerous thought because, you know, sexual intercourse is is a is, is a very serious offense for the monks. So when when the other monks came to know about this, that Arita has come to this view. That, um, that, that there are some things which the blessed one says, for example, he says that, you know, sexual intercourse is not good, sensuality isn't good, but I think they are good, and they are not, that, and they are not obstructions like the Buddha says. So when Arita had that view, the other monks, they came to know about it, and they were, as you could imagine, pretty much aghast, you know, because that's not what Buddhism is. So they rebuke Arita and they try to kind of reason with them, 
trying to really show him that that's not what the what what the Buddha said. The Buddha clearly points out that sensuality isn't good. It, it's very very, it's not good for our for our long term happiness. But Arita is not moved, so the monks decide to take him to the Buddha, and the Buddha calls him. So the Buddha also reasons with <coughs> with him, tries to reason with him, and he actually. He actually scolds him quite a lot, and he even the Buddha uses harsh words like "worthless man, who has taught the Dharma like this to you." I mean, we rarely see the Buddha, you know, using harsh words, but in this case, he did, because I guess Arita was kind of, kind of, a bit of an in incorrigible case, you know, like he he held on to his wrong views, and then. I mean, it is not, it's not really written in this particular sutta, but I think in other suttas and in other commentaries, it is noted that Arita was the first monk, you know, to be kind of expelled from the Sangha because, you know, even after the Buddha tried to explain to him, he still didn't want to understand. And it's possible that he understood, but he just kind of held to his wrong views out of stubbornness and, yeah. And, and when the Buddha told him to you know, leave the Dhamma. He didn't even apologize or just kind of ask for a second chance. He just disrobed. So, I mean, instances like this didn't, didn't happen very often, I think, in the Sangha. So this was quite of an, quite of an exception. So, yeah, so um, after, I guess, Arita leaves the Sangha, then the Buddha goes on to talk about other about um yeah he actually talks about the water snake simile so this simile you know um shows how, that that it is dangerous to to understand the dharma in a to interpret it in a wrong way so he says that suppose we were we were to need a water snake i don't really know why any of us would kind of need to to have a water snake but suppose we wanted to have a water snake so a water snake i think is just a snake which swims in the water and suppose we want wanted to have it so how do we go about catching it so the buddha says we can we could actually you know we 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 could we could try to hold the water snake when we see it by by its tail and doing that would result in the in the water snake biting us and and possibly killing us inflicting a lot of suffering on us so this is says it's just like it's just like understanding the dharma in the wrong way so when we see things in the wrong way when just like in the case of people who think that by holding the tail of the water snake they can actually grab it that they only get themselves you know injured and dead so in the, in the same way when we when we wrongly see the dhamma that actually leads to our own downfall like in the case of arita so the best way to actually go about catching the catching the water snake is to is to catch it in, catch it in the right way that is we have to hold it maybe with a stick and hold it very strongly by the neck so if we if we hold the snake by the neck then the snake won't be able to move and won't be able to bind us so and and by doing that we can catch it and we can be not dead we we, we don't have to suffer so in the same way when we understand the dharma well then that's when 
it leads to our long-term happiness. And the Buddha also mentions the point. So he says that there are some people, you know, like who who study the Dhamma, or I think, you know, even even outside the context of Buddhism, there are some people who read philosophy and just kind of try to feed their curiosity intellect for the sake of, not for the sake of, say, goodwill necessarily, but they are doing it to kind of attack others, criticize others, and defend themselves in, in kind of debates. So the Buddha says that's not a, a skillful reason to, to try to understand, to study the Dhamma. And if, 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 if anyone does that, say if anyone say studies Buddhism, not for becoming happier, leading a kinder and kinder and <coughs> compassionate life, but in order to say just be impressive in debates or attacking other people, then that's not the right use of the Dhamma and that, that would actually lead to bad karma. So following this, the water snake simile, the Buddha goes on to talk about the rough simile, which I just talked about earlier, that you know we don't let go of the raft when we are crossing the the river. We let go of it only after we have crossed to the other side. And then the Buddha talks about the six view positions. So I think this was, I talked about this in the Majimini, when I, when I summarized the Majimini Kaya 2. That's probably one of the first episodes on this podcast. So the Buddha, you know, you know once again points out, I'm, I mean from... From, from from this section of the Sutta onwards, it's all about the Buddha explaining why holding on to views is, or <coughs> is actually not the purpose of the Dhamma. And the purpose of the Dhamma, of, of, Buddha, of the Buddhist teaching, is to actually reach a point where we don't hold on to any views. So, <coughs> so, the, so the Buddha tells us, you know, not to worry about the notion of self and I personally never worry about that, but it might be a concern for some people, you know? Like, like who am I? And what is this self? Is my body myself? Is my, are my feelings, perceptions, um, fab- mental fabrications, consciousness myself? So the Buddha says that, no, they are no. I mean, holding on to a view which believes that our bodies, forms, or say feelings, thoughts, consciousness, are ourselves would actually lead to our suffering. Now it is very important to know that the Buddha never, you know, says that um, what is a self, what is not a self. He only says that holding on to a view about the self is actually is actually not good for our for our happiness, and it's not it's not actually conducive for practicing the noble eightfold path, the Dhamma, and. Uh, so, so people, you know, uh, a lot of people misinterpret this by saying that the Buddha, Buddha teaches no self. That is also wrong because I think in Majjhima when I talked about the Majjhima too, I highlighted this point. When people, when when we sort of think that there is no self, I don't have a self, no one has a self, we still cling on to uh, to a very subtle sense of self. There is a lot of I making in that. 
and while it, it may not be that obvious as thinking I I have a self, this is myself, but even the thoughts or even the view that I do not have a self is also is also not a good one. And and then some people go on to interpret that because the Buddha, you know, says that the five aggregates are not the self. There could so there could be something else which could which could be the self. Maybe it is the maybe after death we go into some kind of permanent and some kind of eternal state, some kind of higher dimension. The Buddha actually rubbishes those kinds of views, and those views are also, you know, the Buddha first of all, I, I guess, you know, asked you know counter questions the monks or in in this in this way he's questioning us as well so can we imagine anything that is permanent eternal and you know as good as as good as what i just said you know unchanging there's nothing like that and so it it is totally it's totally a foolish idea to believe in such a thing and also a lot of people believe in like a cosmic self like um you, you have to be, say, one of the universe, and the universe is you, you're the universe. So what's wrong with that kind of a view? The, I think, you know, the Buddha, I mean, he, he actually comprehensively denies that. And there is nothing, there, there, there is no notion of a self, which if we hold on to, does not lead to our suffering. So even when we think, say, the universe is us and we are the universe, that kind of a notion also leads to suffering, so it's so it's not really worth holding on to. In short, we shouldn't have to worry about the self, and you know, like the the Buddha. The, the, what 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 is better for us to know is the are the causes which lead to our suffering. So it's not mentioned here in the in the sutta, but I think I have mentioned quite a lot of times before on this podcast the web of causes which lead to suffering then you know i i don't remember exactly them now but contact gives rise to feeling feeling gives rise to i guess um i guess perceptions or perceptions to that and that finally leads to suffering so when we look at our suffering in that way without having to think about if there's a self or not self that is much better because when we see the causes which lead to our suffering then we can work on them and we can try to improve ourselves and try to get out of them, those causes. So, yeah, so I think that's pretty much it for the rest of the sutta. I mean, I, I, I'm also not going to claim that I understood the sutta completely. There are some things that I didn't understand. So the Buddha talks about agitation, non-agitation. I didn't really follow that well. So I will put the link to this to this tutorial in the description of this episode. Feel free to check it out and also really um, read or listen to Bhikkhu Tanisaro's lectures and his books. So I think um, it would be very, very helpful. And I think lastly, the Buddha mentions, you know, about the consequences or about the benefits of following the Dhamma. So he says that it's it's really for our long-term happiness and I guess there are some kind of feathers. So if we can get rid of the feathers, then there are even sort of like bigger, um, bigger prizes to get, you know? Like if we can gain stream entry, then 
we don't have to come back to this to this uh, to this rebirth that that much anymore and liberation is guaranteed so and if we can go all the way we can become uh, liberated in this very life itself so so we we so this uh, i guess this kind of reminds us to follow the noble eightfold path and i i can't really talk about it in that detail in this episode because it would be very to be very long but yeah so we have to first of all have right view and then we have to act rightfully you know all the other factors of the noble eightfold path that is very important so yeah <clears throat> so that's for this episode and i and i'll just kind of sum it up before before leaving before ending this episode so i think the points to take from the sutta are that we have to hold on to the noble eightfold path while we are still going to the other side you know it is our raft so we just can't let it go and we don't have to worry that much about anything else we don't have to worry about the what is self what is not self that is none of our concern and if we kind of get too stuck in in such thoughts would actually cause ourselves you know hurdles to to act skillfully so we don't it's, it's better not to think too much about all that stuff and let's just focus on practice the noble eightfold path and let us let us practice ki- kindness compassion meditation and all the skillful things so yeah that's it for this episode i hope you do something from it and i hope i am getting better at podcasting i think i am so thanks for listening to this episode thanks for listening to this podcast i will definitely catch you next time bye bye